This is Soundmaking, a podcast made by Hogan Stenner and myself, Matthew Shlomovitz. Each episode of Soundmaking features a composer or performer discussing the how and why of music they've created. For this episode of Soundmaking, I spoke with the Brussels-based flute player and concrete poetry performer, Mike Schmidt. We spoke about Mike's personal recording of the Ur Sonata by Kirch Fitters. The piece is in four movements, and at the end of this episode, you'll hear a complete recording of the final movement. I first heard Mike perform the Ur Sonata live at a concert in Oslo at the 2009 Ultima Festival, and this performance remains one of the best experiences I've ever had in a concert hall. In our chat, Mike speaks about concrete poetry, the cadenza composed for him by George Apagis, and the rhythmic techniques he used in his interpretation. My name's Mike Schmidt. I'm a German uh, musician living in Brussels already for 20 years. I studied classical flute in, well, Amsterdam mostly, and joined the Ictus Ensemble in Brussels in 2003 when I moved here. I'm mostly busy with contemporary music, and next to my flute um, activity, I do concrete poetry and um, different experiments on expressivity. So I have my uh, a breathing project, which is called Breathcore. This fascinates me a lot, the breath um, without instrument and also the dynamics between performers um, in the sense of how they synchronize, how they communicate silently. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Sonate in Urlauten. Fünps bevetetze u pegif qui e Fünfspa, 
You just heard an extract of the first movement of the Ursonate. It's a rondo, so meaning we have a theme. In this case, we have four different small themes, which keep coming back like a refrain in a in a song and then in between, Schwitters develops these themes. Um, the language is non-semantic. We call it concrete poetry. So it's kind of a, a gibberish. And Schwitters actually, in his, in his career, he wanted to cover all art forms. So he did a lot of paintings. He did collages. He wrote quite some um, theoretical texts on art. Um, he wrote a lot of poetry, libretti, for operas, um, he did his famous Merzbau. Concrete poetry uses language uh, without semantics or meaning. It mostly started in the early 20th century with the Dadaists, um, which um, kind of lost all faith in language after the war, during the First World War, and kind of tried playing around, seeing what other ways there would be in, in using a language. As we know, when we communicate normally, then the voice actually disappears behind the content very often. In music, if we sing, then the voice uh, probably becomes more an instrument and concrete poetry could maybe be situated in between so kind of exposing the materiality of the voice in a kind of imaginary language, um, a language we can't understand in the semantics. And so we have to refer to, to the, the other parameters and, and pay attention to those. Well, the Dadaists played a lot with it, but mostly in shorter poems or um, experiments. Schwitters was the, the first who really wrote a substantial composition um, with this technique. Um, he composed the Ursonate between 1922 and 1932. And after that, we have quite some more experiments. Um, but we could consider the Ursonate really as a probably the, the most important work of concrete poetry. At the end, we're going to listen to the fourth movement of the Ursonata, which is a presto. Schwitters indicates that it should be spoken rhythmically and quick. Um, it's the only movement which has a cadenza. And um, a cadenza in the classical sonata is the place for the interpreter to actually improvise with or without the material which was already um, featured in, in, the, in the composition. Um, Schwitters proposes a cadenza himself, 
he says that this is just for actually the interpreters which are too shy. Um, he actually prefers himself to improvise freely and uses a different cadenza every time. And we now, we are free to do whatever. I personally, I commissioned the French-Greek composer Georges Pergis to write a cadenza, which he composed in 2012. And you'll hear an anagram or a lot of anagrams of Kurt Schwitters. Um, it's a real tongue breaker. Um, and after that, we have the coda, and that's the inverted alphabet. The score of the Ursonata is fairly free. So, of course, the, the text is precisely notated. Then Schwitters indicates that, for example, if uh, letters are repeated, so if a vowel is repeated once, twice, or three times, then it is to be spoken longer. Double doesn't mean necessarily double is long. So he stays a little bit vague in that. And then he uses different indications, for example, for the consonants, if they are joined without a space, then, for example, an R becomes a, a long um, uh, S would become a long S, etc. And if they are um, separated by spaces, then we should re-attack. Um, he worked together with the German graphic designer Jan Chichold, who was very influential on graphic design in general, um, on modernity. So the text has different spacings, capital and, and, and small letters. And my personal approach was to actually interpret this as a kind of a time organization. So um, very often, especially in the, in, in the fourth movement, I decided to use a kind of imaginary pulse um, and group everything around this. And then, of course, the next thing is um, where do you place accents? How do you make musical, let's say, sense of the text? And there I start playing around freely. So, uh, well, the fourth movement is rather... It's actually... We, we could probably consider it being in 4-4. In, in, in four, four. This repeats, and then, for example, then I, to to make it a little fresher, I work with different polyrhythms. So because of the spacing, so we have boom, 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 I play around more with accents, for example. So if we have a pulse, I could group it in four, as the repeat suggests, or I could group differently in three. Voila. And this is my take on it. 
Um, there are many different ways to interpret this piece, of course. The temple being one. Um, the second thing is maybe the accent, um, because, well, Schmitters, he says to be pronounced in German just to avoid any, any uh, confusions. But of course, not everybody speaks German without accent, so there will be new colors, timbres, flavors um, by other interpreters, which will substantially um, influence the piece and make it sound differently. What's really interesting is actually the question of where or how the Ursonata could be placed today, not only as a historical piece, but also considering the other movements of, let's say, mouth work. No, we have rap, we have MCs, we have beatboxing, a lot of different uh, vocal experiments going on and extremely refreshing. And um, this I find very interesting, um, or maybe also different cultures like overtone singing, um, throat singing, uh, death metal, etc. Um, now, it's always, of course, uh, a question what fits and what doesn't fit. Um, like just conventional beatboxing is, uh, well, I, I personally didn't manage to really include that, but then other vocal experiments um, are very interesting. And this actually makes the Ursonata such a, a timeless piece as it kind of misses, yeah, it, there's no content to be communicated in, in the sense of semantics, but the content is purely musical and concerning the voice in all its, its aspects. I first discovered the Ursonata when I was 16, and then it took another 15 years to actually dare to do it. Um, so I premiered my version or my first version in 2006. And since then, it really grew to be an important pillar in my career as an interpreter. Um, I've performed it in a lot of different versions. Um, Schwitters, he, he was very free about the Ursonate. He would uh, edit it and uh, do different versions of it. So cut the first part maybe by half and just do a few lines of the second movement etc so i always found that a legitimate um a way to to see the piece also as schwitters is really the collage artist um yeah i, I must have performed it probably more than a hundred times um in lots of places i did a few videos one of which is part of the permanent collection of the Centre Pompidou in Paris. And I decided to record the material and I just locked myself up in a studio and recorded the piece. I consider it actually more a uh, work in progress. Um, you can learn a lot by sitting in front of a microphone, listening to yourself with the headphones. So I don't consider it the final version the work will go on and um, I'll keep having fun with it.
Epsilon X, we for UTS, Alcubio, and MLKAG, we did the B. Set. Epsilon X, we for UTS, Alcubio, and MLKAG, we did the B. Set. Epsilon X, we for UTS, Alcubio, and MLKAG, we did the B. 